Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 187. And today we're going to be talking about how do you make that transition from being an instructional coach to an administrator. This is a topic that came up several times in our Instructional Coaches Network. You can find out all the information about it by going over to askthetechcoach.com and joining us over on either our Facebook or on our LinkedIn group. Would love to have you guys a part of it. We've got over 450 educational coaches in that Facebook group right now, and it's growing each and every week. And I want to say thank you to everybody out there who's been participating in it. And as I mentioned, one of our hot topics is, you know, as the weather is getting warmer, how do you make that transition from that coaching record into that uh, that technology coach, um, that, that technology director position? With me today are three amazing guests, three great friends of our TeacherCast Educational Network. I want to bring on today the one and only Miss Jennifer Thomas. Jen, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. Thanks, Jeff. I'm great. I'm enjoying the uh, spring weather here in Rhode Island and looking forward to our conversation tonight. I am so looking forward to this conversation, too. You've uh, been doing some pretty awesome stuff up in Rhode Island. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what's been keeping you busy. So I live in Rhode Island. I actually work in Massachusetts, so I I have the best of both worlds in two great states. Um, I am actually, the big thing on my plate right now is that I'm preparing for an ISTE presentation. I'm going to be presenting with a colleague in New Orleans coming up, Um, and our our topic is um, all about surviving as a tech coach it's called from surviving to thriving so we have a basically a toolkit for tech coaches i think our subtitle is from newbies to ninjas Mm -hmm. Uh, we walk people through different types of campaigns monthly campaigns that we do for you know outreaching to strategies coaching templates um everything from coaching a to z so we're really looking forward to that and what's great about that is that uh, we're able to take what we're doing for this presentation and implement it immediately into our own schools or vice versa. So we've taken stuff that we've already done and we're putting it up on this Google site that we're curating for resources that participants will be able to scan and grab and take away with them and implement into their school year. That is absolutely awesome. I hope that uh, once you have everything put together, you guys can uh, come back on the show and talk to us all about it. Now, another thing that you're working on right now, and we're doing this together, is the Google Educator Group from New England. How is that going? And uh, how do we get in touch with everybody over at the GEG New England crew? Um, yeah, that's going great. We have a great group of um, of ed tech or educators, I guess, uh, you know, kind of a combination of tech directors, tech coaches. Um, and we are on newing geg, new England.com. Is that the right website address? That, I was, that, okay. that is, so, that is certainly it. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, so that there's tons of great resources on there. We have uh, monthly newsletters that we put together. We have, um, lots of little tutorial videos and things like that. So it's been great being part of that as well. 
Nice. And somebody else who is from the GEG New England and also from the great state of Massachusetts, Miss Jennifer Judkins. Jen, how are you today? Welcome back to Ask the Tech Coach. Hi, Jeff. Nice to see you tonight. It is so great to have you on, especially for this amazing topic. We've had so many good conversations around this, and I'm so excited to have you on and share your wonderful advice and wisdom. How is everything? Great. I'm just glad to see the weather warming up and, um, you know, things are really busy at school. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, uh, it's a nice time of year and looking forward to our staff getting a break for the summer. Although as a tech director, I'm going to be here all year, but, uh, it's nice to be able to look forward to the summer when we can get some of our projects done on our team that are difficult to do during the school year too. Now, one of the things I know that keeps you busy is the amazing website called Teaching Forward. Talk to us a little bit about it. You've got some pretty neat things on there that uh, just came out recently. Oh, yeah. So um, that is where I try to um, curate things. It's helpful for me because when teachers are asking me questions or colleagues, um, it's nice to be able to just send them a post where I've pulled together ideas about topics, um, a lot of Google-centric things. Um, I think this week uh, published about how to um, use the alias naming feature um, to create a second or third, if you need, um, email address so that you can manage uh, messages coming in for different roles um, instead of requesting a totally separate account. It's a lot cleaner uh, for the user and a lot more secure for those of us managing those Google domains uh, when we know exactly who has access to accounts, um, but we certainly understand many teachers or administrators have different roles. And so having um, alternative email addresses can make that helpful to be able to manage those different roles. Nice. You can find all the information over at teachingforward.net. We're going to make sure that all of the links and stuff are in our show notes here for episode number 187. We've got one more guest on here making his return, a long-awaited return, Mr. Alex Pacheski. Alex, welcome back to Ask the Tech Coach. How are you, my friend? Doing well, Jeff. Thanks for having me back. It is so great to have you here. You've been doing some things in Florida recently. Uh, tell our viewers a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm currently the Director of Educational and Information Technology at North Bar Preparatory School, um, where I do all of the academic as well as operational tech stuff. So I get to play with uh, everybody in the classroom, plus all of our robotics teams and all that fun stuff, as well as order the iPads, keep the network running, and do all that kind of interesting stuff. And I'm in the middle of a transition myself, I'll be moving to be the chief technology officer at another independent school called Trinity Preparatory School. Um, so I've just recently, you know, had this sort of transition happen. Um, I'm also one of the, the independent school certified educational technology leaders from COSIN, um, which is a great certification, I think, for someone looking to sort of make this leap. Um, so it's a, it's a great opportunity to kind of share some of the experiences I've had uh, leveraging that information and that program um, to make transitions. Well, I'm glad everybody is here because, as I mentioned earlier, this has been a topic that has been pretty hot in our instructional coaches network on Facebook. And I'm so happy that we have Ms. Judkins here, who I, I Jen, I, I see you more as ed tech, where I see Alex is more IT based. And of course, Jen, you, I, you know, you are everything out there. You're doing some amazing stuff. I am really looking forward to having this conversation here. So I'm just going to throw it up and see where the conversation lies. And let's just kind of start with here. How does an instructional coach know when it's time to start looking up? 
I think for me, um, <clears throat> Jeff, that, that time came when I felt like um, on the one hand that I had really um, gotten a handle on and, and felt really successful on the tech coaching piece. I, I, I mean, I really, it was something that I loved and, and still continue to try to find opportunities to work directly with teachers, although my job is quite different now as a technology director. But um, what I what I really noticed from, for myself was that I was kind of hitting a wall where there were ideas and things that I really was looking to have happen. And when I would go and speak at the time to our technology director, um, while I had a great relationship with him, um, at the end of the day, those, those decisions, the, the finances, you know, the budgeting, all of that was really fully within his control. And so therefore the decision-making process and power lay in that role. Right. So I think that one of the things for me was I was feeling like I had hit a wall in terms of my impact and thought that I could impact things more on a district level in terms of visioning and planning and helping to really set kind of the stage for like, what, what does technology use look like in our district from an educational lens where our technology director was highly skilled on the information technology side, but, but had a different background and therefore, you know, had, had decision-making kind of filtered through a different lens that I had. And I thought, you know, I, I think it would be really interesting to see what this looks like if a school district was interested in having someone with a background that was more educationally focused um, in that role. And so, uh, you know, that, that was kind of how my journey began was to try to see if I could be kind of at the, at, have a seat at the table when it came to really thinking about how does this really impact the district at the strategic planning level, you know, working with building administrators and certainly always with teachers, but, but at a higher level so that I had the reins on budget and, and more critical decision-making power to be able to try to implement some ideas. I, I totally agree with, with Jen's sort of analysis. I mean, hopefully you're in a position where, you know, as you're looking at progressions, as you're, as your projects are growing bigger and bigger, you're getting more and more of a voice and hopefully it's a, a natural transition for many people to make it to that spot. I think one of the things that's definitely happened over the last five years, it was starting even before the pandemic, was that the recognition that it's nice to order all the devices and have a working network and have all the, the different pieces. But if it's not tied back properly to pedagogy, then you're, in some cases, you're just wasting money and time. Um, if you don't have that driving reason why you have the particular devices you have or why you're using the pieces of software, you can train everybody on the, all the different and on anything that you want. And that's great, but you're ne it's never going to make the impact on the learning. And I think the, the perspective that's brought by people with the education technology focus is starting to be much better respected as having that voice at the table, because it is there the traditionally the director of technology in a district or you know, the, the lead technology voice was a dollar and cents. Is it running? Is it working? Let's keep the lights on person. And because to me, because of the pandemic, we are now moving beyond that. We've recognized that you have to have devices. You can't live without a network. So now that we're going to have all this stuff, what are we going to do with it? And you're going to see, I think you're going to see more and more of these top technology jobs come with the opportunity to be 
educational focused and strategic focused as opposed to keeping the lights on focused. And and I remember when Jen and I first met and when you and I first met, Alex, you know, when I was in New Jersey, it was just an unwritten rule. The top person in a district was the IT. And if you are the ed T guy or person, you are the coach. There, there was no other way around that. I mean, I think in New Jersey, there was only one person that I can think of that had the title of like director of innovation or director of professional learning or, but you know, 98% of the school districts in New Jersey were IT's the top guy. It's changing. You know, even in my district, I love the fact that the top person is curricular focused, ed tech focused, future ready. Like all it's great. And I'm starting to see that pop out more Um, from an IT person, Alex, how does that, feel knowing that your place on the food chain might be moving or I don't want to well, say weakening or well, it's, but it's, it's, that one. again, here's, here's the, the, the great difference. And I think this is the, the fundamental piece that I think ed tech coaches get faster than most people. Um, it's not like we can learn something and, ch- and we get to keep it for 20 years and it's the same thing for those 20 years. I mean, just think about, every different piece of software certification or level of something that you've had to teach to someone, the software changes every year or two years at best. If we're lucky, it only changes that often. And we've got to continuously adapt. I think one of the things that's been happening is that you had to start somewhere with school districts and you started with the people who were, again, keeping the lights on and making sure that it runs. But if those people were, engaged in watching what was going on, they started, they, they should have, and in many cases they didn't, and that's, you know, to their detriment, they didn't move to understand the ed tech and the pedagogy and the pieces that are necessary. That's, that's the, I'll call it from a, from a foresight perspective, poor professional development on the tech people. They made sure they could run everything, but didn't think about the impact well, let's talk about the cart and the horse, right? Is it the IT person is just not a teacher or is it better for the teacher to be moving the IT? Like really perfect situation. Shouldn't the curriculum be driving the Wi-Fi as opposed to the other way around? I'm going to I'm going to change it a little bit. Please do. You, you, you don't you don't ask anymore whether the room should have electricity or lights. You don't ask whether you should have chairs. You ask what kind. So there's a certain fundamental piece that has to be operational that once you've decided on we're going to provide an education, we're now providing, I'm going to call it commodities for lack of a better term. We are providing Wi-Fi. We are providing accounts. We are providing a base infrastructure from which all other things grow. It would be the same as, all right, and, and this is probably going to set off a whole nother set of, of discussions and chains, but it's the, it's the choice between choosing McGraw-Hill versus Pearson as our fundamental textbook vendor and all the different resources that come with each. I can choose Google, I can choose Microsoft, and my resources are, are, very, are very, like, they're, 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 they do very similar things, but they come at it from a different perspective. So that infrastructure piece, is, is that fundamental decision and that choice is still necessary. So why you're, what you're choosing has to be driven by why. So you can have the conversation, to me, it's the conversation of there has to be a pairing between that ed perspective and that ops perspective. 
And if the lead person has to, the lead person has to understand both. If they only understand one or those two pieces are not married together, then you end up with a district that's completely disjointed in terms of what they're trying to accomplish. And those, those two positions end up fighting. It ends up being budgetary fight. It ends up being a personnel fight. It ends up being an entire argument over, over perspective and strategic plan. And whoever the superintendent sides with wins. And then usually the other person is going is now fundamentally the person who's receiving this, who's listening to this podcast right now going, you know, which, where do I go now? Because obviously, you know, my vision of how this works isn't happening. Well, let's talk to the people who are listening to this podcast right now. Jen Thomas, (laughs) you and I are in a position right now where as a coach, we are trying to complete, you know, our Triforce here. And I I love that, you know, this year at ISTE, you said you're doing your, you know, from beginner to ninja. And, you know, we've done 187 of these episodes at this point. And I don't think we've ever done one called, how does a coach learn more about Wi-Fi? How do you, how are you helping your, I don't want to say your, your IT education, but how can we as coaches pick up the skills we just don't have that aren't necessarily classroom related? Um, so this is what I struggle with. And this is why I'm hesitant to go the admin route because the passion for that stuff is not in me. Like, so I have a really hard time thinking about going into, and like, I feel like with Jen, she's got a, she's got a great position because it is so focused on the educational, innovative, all those like great words that she has in her title. Um, I try hard to put my, I don't want to say I'm stubborn, but you know, the technicians will come in and want to talk to me about something that I'm, I just say like, I don't understand what they're saying. So this year I've tried to like put that aside and really try and learn as much as I can when I have, when I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be more of a captive, captive audience for them because they'll come in and you know, I want to share why things are not working pedagogically with them. Well, they want to share why certain things will and won't work with the system and the technology and the server. And I don't even know the words to use because I'm so much not an expert with that, you know, the IT stuff. So it's a balance. I mean, I try to teach, they try to teach. We both try to learn from each other. There's the, you know, the the group of technicians in our district, and then there's the instructional technology specialists. um, And together we have a pretty fierce department, but we're very siloed in our skills and what we are, are excited about. So I'm trying to be more open-minded about learning those things. But I know for me that if I were to become an administrator, I would need it to be a role that's more central to, you know, focus on the instruction. But like Alex said, I mean, you have to, you have to be in that role and you really do have to understand both sides. I'm just, I'm just afraid right now. And this is my, you know, as speaking for tech coach, what I'm worried about is that I won't be able to do the fun stuff anymore. Like get in the classrooms with teachers. I'm having a blast. Like that is the stuff that I love. Um, there's, we're always coming up with new ideas. And I just feel like if I were to go into that role and I think, I, I think a lot of tech coaches in similar positions as mine feel the same way. If I were to go into that role, I, I would lose touch. I would be that much far removed from the classroom. I would lose touch with teachers. I would lose my ability to be able to like coach and 
do that, do that sort of stuff. But I am at the point, like Jen said, she knew she was ready that I, I want to have more of an influence and have more of a voice. And I just can't leverage that. I love my job and I love where I'm at, but I, I, I can't quite get to that next level in the position that I'm in. It's not going to give me that, that growth that I'm looking for. So I'm, I'm sort of in a, like trying to figure things out right now stage with what that next step looks like and what that admin role for me looks like. I don't know if it's a tech director, if it's a, you know, instructional coach K to 12, if it's a, you know, curriculum position. So I'm just sort of trying to like get really, really good at what I'm doing right now and enjoy the the time that I'm having with my teachers um, and just, you know, continue to professionally develop and professionally develop other people and share my skills and my gifts with others and just make instructional coaching, you know, stronger, a stronger field. And um, so I don't know if I really just answered your question. No, you, you clearly I've been thinking about this for a long time. So you, you just summed up everything I've been feeling. And, you know, over the last few weeks, I've had some amazing opportunities to interact and to really get into the classroom. And I'm starting to, you know, it's only my first year in this particular building. But, you know, I now know the kids names and I know, you know, the principal and I are, are good. And the teachers and I, like, we're all getting into that thing. Right. And I even said to my principal the other day, like, we're actually breaking ground on a brand new building like in the next month. That's not going to be available for another two years. And. You know, one of the things that I've said to to my family, um, you know, of both coaches and of IT friends is as we're building this building, I want to be a part of this. I want to learn about it. I want to figure like, how do you figure out, you know, boards and ViewSonics and smart things and why like help me be a part of all of this because I want to learn all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. I mean, and, and you know, yeah. with the reason we're doing this topic is because we all have these options of, okay, yeah. when do you know that it's time? When do you know you're like, oh, another year? Or as somebody recently said, just go put your resume I, out there and try yeah. those interviews. Like, I don't think you're going to know you're ready. I don't think you're ever going to be ready. And I, I remember, um, so I, at the end of last school year, I said, you know, I think I need to go for my admin license just so I have it. So yep. I've been working on that with another fantastic um tech director in Massachusetts. She's been my mentor and I'm going through this process and, you know, I'm doing all the things on paper that I'm supposed to be doing, but my conversations with her are the most valuable part of this whole process is just like understanding what this role could be, understanding that every tech director position that gets posted is completely different. It's yep. It just really depends on what the district wants and you just have to be the right match. It's like, you know, it's like speed dating or I don't know, well, you know, well, so let, let's throw AP back in here. Alex, the question that's on everyone's mind is what do you need to pass the audition? Right. I mean, every coach, let's just assume is a Microsoft certified, Google certified, you know, you know like we all know the badges and, you know, again, when, when, when we all met 10 years ago and teacher cast was a fledgling, being a Google certified innovator was kind of cool. Being a Google certified trainer was really cool. And now everybody like that's the norm for coaches, right? You've got, what? you've got all those bad, you've got all those badging programs. And I just, I literally just finished. Uh, I just got my Apple learning coach certification. Congrats. Um, which was, which was an awesome pro program. 
um, awesome project, but it also made me sit back and think one of the things that it, it required us to do, and I have done it um, as part of my own professional development and job searches, was create a, a technology philosophy. What is it that I actually believe and follow and want to do in terms of technology? How do I believe technology needs to be used in a school? How do, what, is, what is my perspective on how it all works? And how do I then use that to influence and affect change in my school or district? Um, that, those parts of it, I mean, I, I totally get the, I started on the technology side of the house. Um, I, I can honestly say my degrees are in aerospace engineering and astrophysics. So I, I am a rocket Lego. scientist. Yes. Um, so I can say that it always <laughs> takes a rocket scientist to do my job. But the, the difference, the difference is that one of the things that you like for Jen, you don't need to know, like I, I say this cause I, I, I've coached and trained for my CETL certification. Um, like you, as an instructional technology coach, you know, your pedagogy back and forth, you know, what, how classrooms work, you know, the educational pieces from the technology side, you need to know that Wi-Fi has to, how Wi-Fi works, that it can, you know, you still need a wired connection on the back end. You need to know that some of the different numbers of like speeds, but you don't need to know like how many twists there has to be in a twisted pair cable over a hundred feet. Like there's, there's a specification level that you never need to make it to in order to be able to manage it and have that conversation about it. It's like you can have a, you can have a discussion about the last Harry Potter film or you could have a discussion about everything that's in the room of requirement for each of the movies that you've gone through and seen 50 or 60 different times. You can have, those two different types of people can have a conversation about that commonality once you've created what that commonality is. And I think that's that's really where the, the piece where the tech people have to, you know, cross over onto the ed side and the ed people have to cross over a little bit to the tech side. It's much more about there are to, to really lead a group. You've got to be able to be a leader. You have to be able to inspire. If you're already inspiring teachers, your next step is really inspiring coaches to help inspire teachers. You don't lose the ability to go into a classroom, it's the weight that you carry when you walk back into that classroom that makes a significant difference and that you're coming in with a position of authority as opposed to just being much more of a, of a peer or anything else. You're, you're, you're trying to use what you know to inspire at multiple levels instead of just that you know, direct connection. I think that's the, the power of, of leveraging it. But in terms of knowing what you need to know, it comes down to um, really coming up with, and I'm, again, I'm going to be a little bit of a shill for COSIN's CETL certification because I think it gives the best background for someone who's looking to become a technology leader. The framework is a set of 10 areas that are for K-12 CTOs. And they specifically use technology officer instead of information officer because it's, it's the pieces that affect everything throughout. Um, it's not just running an information system or anything else. Um, so the, the three areas are broken down into basically leadership and strategy, uh, basically managing education, and then managing uh, operations and infrastructure. So in, 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 the, in the greater skill set, you know, we're talking specifically about from those 10 points for me, only two of 10 items that are really important to be that, that leader. There's still the ability to 
reach out and discuss with stakeholders, manage budgets, um, be an effective communicator to be able to, uh, to understand, again, that educational piece of the, t- of the pedagogy and the operational piece. But there's also understanding data flow and data management, which most people at this point are getting much better at because of all the different agreements we have to get signed for privacy and all those pieces. But th- there's, there's all those other pieces that we don't always think about in terms of developing those skills. And those are the ones that are really going to get you to that next level in addition to what you're currently doing. So it's, a ma- it's making sure that when you are doing the pieces that are specifically in the classroom or you're laying out that next great project, can you show that you're developing the budget for it and how it scales for you and your classroom, your school, or potentially your district? When there's an opportunity to get on a committee to build a building or to pay attention to those kinds of things, are you raising your hand and volunteering? To, to not only show your current leadership that you're interested, but to gain the experience of what's going on and how those decisions are made and, and why people are making decisions or what goes into the, the outreach in a community and how you're, when you're building a building and all those other kinds of amazing things. There's a great deal of, well, I'm trying to hit the right word now. There's a great deal of the extra skills that go beyond just what we tend to think of as ed tech and IT that really make you that great candidate for the next step. Because if I could be the best you know, server person in the world and I could even have my hands and understand the pedagogy, but if I can't do those other eight components, I'm still not gonna get looked at for a leadership position. Yeah, I think Alex points out the importance of the the fact that the job isn't there isn't any one perfect fit, right? So like people I have this conversation so often with people that are tech coaches thinking to make this move who are ready in so many ways, right? They have the leadership piece that Alex mentioned, you know, when you think about the the sort of three key buckets that the CETL certification is is chunked out into um, you know, you've got leadership, which I would say of the three things is a non-negotiable, right? Because your job is is changing when you move into a director position because you're the one sitting down with the superintendent and trying to communicate the value of your team, the work that you do and why it's important, you know, and helping them to understand and, and really sort of bridge that gap before the highly technically skilled people that are on your team who are, who are, you know, giving you information that you understand needs to be, you know, communicated, but yet it communicated in a way that, that puts it through that educational lens so that they can understand in their sort of like way of thinking about the world, why it matters, right? Because it's going to impact learning. Um, but then, then, you know, those other two pieces of the CETL piece, you, you think about the, the teaching and learning, which someone like Jen, someone like myself coming from a teaching background like I had that solid, Jen has that, like th- these are not the parts that are hard for us. But then the, the IT operation side, that was so intimidating for me because I thought, oh my gosh, if these people think I'm going to be the one that they should turn and look to when their network goes down, like we're all screwed. But I think the important thing is that it's not that one of those things is more important than the other, right? The IT operations is just as important as the teaching and learning. You cannot have one without the other. Because the the ideas that I have as an educator cannot be realized were it not for the IT operations side, right? And so I have to know that and respect it and appreciate it. So 
as much as it's an area that I've had to really do a lot of learning in, I have a lot of appreciation and respect for the, the importance of that work. And so my relationship with the people on my team that have more of a, a background like Alex is really solid because they know that I'm there advocating for what it is that they're trying to do. And they know that I'm listening to them as a professional. I know they know more than I do about a topic around IT operations. And so I defer to them, but we have really healthy conversations when what they're saying is in conflict with what I'm thinking needs to happen from the educational piece. And then I feel like that is the, the key thing is that in some cases, those jobs can work side by side. I have seen many districts with a structure of an educational technology leader and they split the baby and then they have an IT operations manager. That can work, but only if the dynamic is such that those two leaders are really willing to work together and, and defer to one another and not have one person, you know, like sort of fighting against the other. My experience personally is that that isn't the best structure. When I talk to districts who say, like, what is the structure we should think about? We, we have a new posting for a tech director. What should the job description be? My feeling is no one person has all those things, but if you have a strong leader and someone that has a willingness to learn the other side, whether it's the education side or the technology side, then that person can work. It has a lot to do, Jeff, as you can imagine, with the complete structure of the, the IT team in the first place. So if I went into a district that didn't have a strong network person and they were hoping that this IT director job that they have posted could fill that need, as well as provide leadership for, for and direction for the department, then, then I would not be a good candidate for that job. And so just like anything else, it's important to represent what you do know and, and what you don't know. And really the structure of their team will in many ways sort of dictate what, which of those two buckets they need the most at that moment for their, for their school community. I am so happy that you are all on this show today. And I hope that as you guys are listening to this out there, you have if you have any questions, please feel free to contact the show. Jump on into the to the instructional coaches network over on Facebook. Find us over on askthetechcoach.com. We are here to help you guys out just as we're here to learn from each other. One of the questions that's been on my mind and one of the things that I've really been focusing on over the last year as I go through my admin program um, Currently, I'm finishing off the admin program, and by the time you guys listen to this, I'll be starting the doctor courses. I still can't believe I'm saying that. Is this whole concept of thinking like an administrator? And I get I get banged a lot for you know stop thinking like a teacher, stop thinking like a coach. You have to think like an administrator when you walk into that office. You need to approach an administrator like an administrator. Don't bring him all the problems. Just bring him you know like. Basically, I guess the concept is knowing the altitude to talk to and figuring out how to approach those altitudes. How do we learn that other than trial, error, and failure? Alex, you're, you're smiling at that one. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on how do we learn how to deal with our, our you know, dealing with your boss is one thing. Dealing with your boss's boss is another thing. Dealing with the super, like, how do you work those different altitudes I, to me, I think the real problem is because I just I laughed at when you said stop thinking like a teacher, um, because I don't think that's ever what we want to do. What I think we want to do is actually start with the how do I scale what I'm doing? I think that's where that thinking like an administrator would co co really comes into play, 
because it's not really about stopping thinking like a teacher. I mean, I'm a firm believer that pedagogy drives technology. So I want someone who's thinking about how does this really affect the learning in the classroom to really make that impact with our learners, with our teachers, and what's going to be best for them. The difference is, and this, from, uh, this is from the you know, personal experience, what drives me nuts is the teacher who, who listens to a podcast, reads a blog, finds some random tool that may or may not work for them, tries it, adopts it, goes whole hog into making sure that it is, you know, that they are going to embrace it to the end. And when, when you take the step back to look at it, it won't fit in with the learning management system. It cannot talk to the student information system. It does not scale from a, from a cost perspective. It doesn't hit all of our different populations the right way. And I can't support it from, from that centralized perspective. So it's really, it's to me, it's that, how do you stop thinking for me and start thinking about for all? Because it's that for all, that's the administrator perspective. Now, you're not always going to get the right answer, and you're not always going to be able to get to the point where it's going to be sustainable or it's going to work. But I think that, that philosophy, that conversation, that gets you to that thinking like an administrator, because once you're no longer thinking about, can I do this for me? Will this work for me? You're now thinking about, hmm, okay, so I have this new video program I want to do. Is it going to break down on the, on the, you know, is it going to affect the network? Is it going to affect the devices my students are using? What if we all decided to use this at the same time? Could the bandwidth at the school handle it? It actually seems to cost a lot of money. I'm using the free version because that's what they're offering me. But if we tried to scale it, would it actually work for other people? As a coach, we should be able to start having those conversations, like having those thoughts and start adopting that process to see how we're going, how those things affect us. That's to me thinking like that administrator. And those are your first steps in being able to make those arguments and show that you are, you know, once you're in those mindsets, you can do all those other pieces. Like that to me, that's the fun. That's your, the question, that's the question you're asking. Cause it's not really thinking like an administrator isn't a difference. It's a, it's not really a different set of way of thinking. It's just a different set of questions. And it gets, it's getting beyond that personal impact to how am I like every coach does this when they start thinking, how do I train someone else to use this product? How do I train someone else to use this software or this system to impact the learning in the classroom? So that, that question, that set of questions, that philosophy, that perspective is by default to me an administrator philosophy when you're trying to look at how the impact goes into the classroom. So now you just have to take it a couple steps further and not just think about your department's concerns with what's going on with, from that perspective. It really goes into, so how do the decisions we'd be making about this particular thing that we're doing affect other areas? So you wouldn't start thinking about, you know, you don't start thinking about building a building by saying, okay, I'm going to build a building, but what land are you going to put it on? Oh, we don't, we need land to put it on. I'm, you know, we know that we need land to build a building. We know that we need electrical hookups. We need sewer hookups. We need to do traffic studies. We need to do, like, there's a whole bunch of things that go into planning and doing a building before you even get to how many classrooms are we going to put in and what square footage can we do? 
all of that's driven by other outside factors. Mm -hmm. So we could focus on just that educational piece, or we could say, how are those educational decisions impacted by the restrictions or the other, or the other aspects that were given for this type of project that we're about to do? You know, we're, we're talking about this today as a coach becoming an IT director, ed tech director, whatever that particular title is. Jen Judkins, I'm sure this is the same kind of conversations a regular quote unquote teacher would want to have before they become an assistant principal, principal, curriculum director, anything like that, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's it's the same struggle people go through when trying to make that move out of a classroom and into, you know, like a building leadership role. It's, you know, you, you struggle with, you know, I need to keep my teacher lens. I love working with kids. You know, Jen was saying like, I love my job. It's not like, it's not like we leave these things because we don't love them. Um, but you also see and know um, that there are other positions that might allow you to make a different kind of impact. And even in some ways, a greater impact, right? In terms of like the number of students and, and staff that you're able to impact. Um, and so I love what Alex said when he said, I, and, you know, I'm going to use this, Alex, because I always try to kind of have this conversation with people and encourage them to help them understand it's not, it, no one comes to this job with all of the pieces, right? And so if you have a, someone that's passionate and willing to learn, there's, so, there's such a supportive community out there of technology directors in every state. You can look up your local COSIN chapter. I'm on the board of directors for Meta, which is our local affiliate for tech directors. And so, you know, all of us in this role know what it's like to be the one person in a district with the responsibility. And so having the, um, you know, having the humility to be able to ask the questions and in a group of people that, you know, understand the the challenges of the job. And um, because it's so multifaceted, you know, having people like Alex in a group where, you know, there's also a lot of educators, right? Like having both sides of the house, if you will, is like so helpful. Um, and I find that they're really supportive. I think that when I think about Jen and others in her role and like, how do you kind of start to learn about those things? I think it, it is really important to, to ask the questions of your tech director to find out how do they think, right? Like how do they think about the process of choosing software? Because as a teacher, I thought only about the educational instructional impact, right? And how hard it was for me to train students on that, right? Like, um, and also, I thought about the, um, you know, data, if it generated data and how hard that would be for me to access and interpret. Those were kind of, that was sort of my bubble. And when Alex says you have to think about scalability, he's totally right. Because as a tech director, I now have to think about interoperability. Does it work with systems we have? Um, you know, hardware and software, right? How, you know, which also includes things like data privacy, right? Is it is it safe? Do we have a contract? Will these people you know, meet the requirements that are specific to our state, right? And what is the licensing model? How do we pay for this? How do we distribute it? How do we make accounts, right? Like how hard is that? So I think, you know, what's important as technology directors is that we communicate this effectively. So when a teacher comes and says, can I have this or do that? I'm really careful not to just say, no, try this instead. I say, I explain why I can't say yes, right? So that they understand that I value their perspective as a teacher. I know that they've taken time to evaluate it from an educational lens and that that is absolutely valid and important. But I try to make sure it's clear 
why there might be an obstacle to that piece of software and engage in a conversation because I think that respects where the teacher's coming from and also helps them understand that we're not just saying no to say no. Um, because that was my feeling when I was a teacher, I felt like technology department, that's where ideas go to die. You know, I would ask, I'd be like, Hey, I found this great thing. And they'd be like, yeah, no, we can't do that. And so, you know, again, that was partly what motivated me to move into this leadership role because I didn't want to be the no person. But the fact is I do have to say no sometimes. And so I try to at least explain the why and have a really clear understanding about what teachers are trying to do and work with them collaboratively to find an alternative solution that gets them what they want, but, but kind of checks the boxes that I have responsibility for. We can continue talking about this forever. And for those listening, this is definitely part one of this series. I'm hoping that we do a second part. And if you'd like to be a part of it, please reach out. We'd love to have you on the show. Um, I, I want to have two more topics before we wrap up today. And I think this is the ones that are on a lot of people's minds. Um, resumes, interviews, right? Like it's one thing for us to talk about what we need to know. How do we need to know? Alex, you and I have been talking about this because the conversation is we have all these things. Do we need to show it off? How do we show it off? How can we be proud of who we are yet not intimidating on paper? Um, so I'm going to open up the floor here for anybody. Let's just talk about what an administrative resume should look like. I like to look for um, things such as, you know, Alex mentioned it earlier, like, are there committees? Have you volunteered? Right? Like, where are you showing that you're thinking about and trying to be active in, in the ways that you can in a leadership capacity in your school or district? So that's one of the things that I look for. I look for people to show me and, and be able to talk to me about how it is that they stay current, because that also came up earlier in the podcast, right? You don't, the job is not the same as it was even five years ago. So if I don't have someone that is truly a passionate learner, right? Someone that is spending time looking at um, various types of social media or, you know, you know, subscribing to certain blogs or, you know, going to conferences, like I'm actually expecting all of those things. I'm expecting that they are really plugged in because if not, you start to very quickly drift away from knowing what's in the future, not just what happens now. Um, and then I, then I want to know, well, what is their strength? Like what was their first love and passion and, and um, area of knowledge? Was it the IT operation side or was it the education side? And then, then the question is, well, what do we need as a school district and community? Like, can we, you know, do we have to have an IT operations person? Is that maybe our primary concern? Someone that understands and, and respects the fact that all decisions go through an educational lens ultimately, because that can be learned or, I, what I am finding increasingly is districts are, are really interested in those educators. And so to highlight your educational experience in the classroom and, um, and those types of roles, I think is, is worth doing also if that's where your background is, because that might be what they're looking for. I have to agree with Jen hundred percent. It's about at this point, as a, as a tech coach, you've got the certifications you've shown that, you know, you know, you're going to have your list for whatever your district has or everything else. So you understand how software works. So now show me that you know how to make other, how to inspire other people. 
What's your vision for how all that stuff gets put together? How have you presented that to your community? Are you at, like, as Jen said, are you active in your community, whether it's your district, whether it's your state, whether it's nationally? Have, do you do the things that we would expect you to do if you're going to be a leader and have a vision? You don't have to have the exact same vision, uh, you know, as your, as your current school district, you should be following that one and you should be able to give me examples of how you're supporting that because that's obviously, you know, you're not always going to be able to be the one that sets the vision. So how are you able to inspire people to somebody else's vision? Because the superintendent usually, or the head of school sets that vision for you. And you're going to need to adapt for what your, how your role fits in. But it really is about making sure that you highlight the skills that you've developed from being a tech coach. Have you put together the professional development budget for your school? Have you been able to run to run the small? Have you ever run an ed camp, even if it's just for your own teachers? Have you been able to, to do things that show a scope beyond the, I'll call it the beyond that day-to-day work that you'd already be expected to do? What are the things that based on that vision and voice that you have, how are you expressing it? Because if you're not expressing it, as Jen said earlier in the podcast, the, the non-negotiable on this is leadership and vision. If you're not doing that stepping up to, to show some of that, you're not going to get past the, you're not going to get past the first step. There, no one's going to take you in if you're not showing that initiative and that, that willingness to be out there. That's kind of powerful, right? Because for many people, you, you think the more, you, the, you know, the more colorful things are, um, the opportunities will come. Jen, what's your thoughts on all of this? Thomas. Uh, this has been a great educational um, webinar for me. So I appreciate all of your words of wisdom, Alex and Jen. Um, yeah, I'm at a crossroads right now. Like I said, I love my position. I love being a tech coach. I love being a coach of coaches. I do a lot of professional development around um, coaching for other coaches. And it just just fills my bucket. Um but I think the takeaway for me is um, it's all about relationships. Like as a tech coach, we know it's all about relationships. Well, as a tech director, it's all about relationships. That's sort of what I'm gathering from everything that I've heard you guys talk about tonight. And that's the great part of it. I mean, that's the piece that I'm afraid to leave behind. When I, If I were to go into an administrative role, I would be afraid that I wouldn't have those teacher relationships, but I would be building relationships with another team and being able to leverage my skills and my passions on a more global scale, which is my, that's my MO. I mean, that my, my goal, my professional goal is to, you know, better the lives of students, but my passion really is teachers. So you have a, you have a direct line to teachers in both a coaching role and a, in an IT a tech director role. So, um, you know, my head's spinning, Jeff, but I think this was like, thank you for including me in this conversation. When you asked about a conversation about admin, I said, but I'm not an admin. And he said, well, that's the point. So now I understand why I'm part of this group and I feel very honored. Um, and I would love to do a part two because I feel like we have a lot more to potentially talk about here. So we have one more topic that I want to hit, and, and I think this is definitely going to be more for the part two, because I know a couple minutes at the end of a show doesn't do it all. Um, but Alex, you know, you had mentioned that you've 
been at the finals, didn't make it, been to the finals, had made it. Um, new things are happening. Would you all be able to share any tips and tricks, advice for, you know, what we call our first administrative interviews? I think one of the biggest things is that you have to remember that you're still going to be part of a team and that while you will be leading a portion of that team, you are still part of a bigger, larger, that has a larger team that has a larger scope. And that one of the things that you don't want to be is the, I'll call it the smartest person in the room. Like you are not going to be the smartest person in the room. Um, there's the, that the Ed Camp saying, you know, the wisdom comes from the room. You need to remember that even though you might have an idea or an opinion or a direction that you want to go in, sometimes it's not the right one for that particular district. Um, and that as long as you're authentic to yourself um, and you will get and you are you know, honest about how you're you're processing through the. Through the actual interviews, you know, if you are an ed tech person with a focus on the ed tech and the district is looking for that ops tech person, you're not getting the job. It doesn't matter how good you are because the skill set that they're actually looking for is the focus on the other piece that you don't have. And that's okay. There is a lot more rejection in this field, I think, than any of the other type of admin positions because. Each school as its own ecosystem, as its own identity, looks for, to fill the gaps that it has and needs at that moment. So you are going to you are going to go up against spots where you love the district, you love the concept of what they're doing, you love everything that's going on, and they might even really, really like you, but your skill set is not what they need right now. And, and to know that that has nothing to do with, you know, your failings or anything else, it's not even uh, like imposter syndrome. It's not like you've, you've been faking it and you're not worth it. It's about the fact that they have a different need than what you can provide. And it may take a while to get to that point um, to find that match between the two, especially if you are that first one where you are stretching and going out on the limb and saying, okay, I know enough about the technology that I can have the conversation and help them problem solve. I'm not going to be the one that's going to have the magic, magic, you know, command line sequence to restart everything in the middle of the hurricane. But we want to be able to help do the problem solving. That's that's the whether your focus is the IT ops or the ed tech, your gift to the other side is your unique set of problem solving skills and perspective. So you have to. Re so to me, the other skills are all common, but you're bringing that the, your troubleshooting perspective. The difference in that is the difference in in how you're making it. So that's really the the interview process. You're going to have to be yourself, and you don't have to worry about being anybody else because you'll figure out very quickly through the process whether they're looking for what you are give what you are offering or what you're not or what you don't have. And that there's a there's a little bit I'm going to call it a little bit more of a comfort in that. That's interesting, Jen. What's your thoughts on the interview process? I I really can't can't agree more with Alex. I think that um, what I try to say to friends of mine that are that are really moving from a role like Jen has and looking into a role like this, who often just have this feeling of. I don't even think I'm qualified to do the interview. I'm not going to be able to answer half the questions. I think the kid, the 
the key thing is that if you are genuine and true to who you are and the things that you know, right, not misrepresenting anything, but sharing what your strengths are and celebrating those because you have a lot that you're bringing to the table, but also just showing an openness and an understand a very basic understanding for some of the things um, and appreciation for why the IT operations piece matters. And, and as Alex says, you're part of a team, right? You're, you're managing a team on one end and you're, you're uh, working as a team member um, with district leaders as well. But if you can let people know at the table who will likely, you know, an interview team will likely include, hopefully, some of the folks on the IT operations side and they hear that you respect what they do, you value your, their opinion, and that you wanna learn more about this area because you know how critical it is, that's gonna go a long way. Those folks just want to know that they will be respected and, and that they will be part of a decision-making process. And the district, frankly, doesn't usually know what questions to ask IT operations people. That, that's the truth of it. Um, and so it's more a matter of they're going to know, as Alex said, well, we really need this role to also fill the role of a strong IT operations person for any number of reasons, whether they don't have a systems administrator or don't have a network person and may need someone to, to fill that role. If you go to an interview and they don't call you back, it's more likely that you don't have the piece that they need. And just applying and, and talking to another district, you're going to get a totally different response because they're looking instead for the educational side. So I would just encourage people to not you know, just feel like, oh, that, you know, they didn't even call me back or the questions they asked, I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you can kind of see in a job description, which ones are more heavily um, focused on IT, as opposed to the ones that are really looking for an educator to bridge that gap. So, you know, generally the job description will help you to know what the school's looking for and, and might make you feel more comfortable applying for some over others. But if you're honest, then then they're going to make their decision with the information you provide and, and choose the right fit for their district. Guys, this has been an eye opening um, and kind of heartwarming podcast episode. Uh, Jen, uh, you and I are looking at this from a completely different point of view, Jen Thomas. Um, I definitely think we should do a second episode of this. Don't you? Yes, I do. I do. I have some great takeaways though. Thank you, Alex I and Jen. This is definitely an episode that I'm going to be uh, editing carefully and uh, coming back to. If we have time for one more question, I was searching through our Instructional Coaches Network. There is one important question here that kind of came up, and this is something that uh, many of us struggle with. We all love our jobs. We all enjoy doing our jobs. But as an administrator, we all know that in order to move up in our careers, we need to leave our jobs. So the question that came up in our in, in the uh, Tech Coaches Network here is, how do you approach the subject of becoming an administrator with your administrator? How do you show interest in essentially quitting your job, if that's even the right way of looking at it? How do you have those conversations? How do you break that wall? I have just been very um, open with my building principal and tech director that I do want to go into a more administrative role at some point. And they've both been incredibly supportive and said, go for it. Like we'll support you in your mentor hours. We'll, you know, do whatever we need to help you mentor you. Um, you know, a lot of it is as a tech coach, you kind of 
kind of figure things out on your own because you really are the only one in, in your role in your building or district in some cases. So um, you don't necessarily have a department or a team. So you really do have to sort of be a self-starter and figure things out. But to know that they know is sort of a load off, like just to be open and be transparent with them. I think, you know, good administrators would be supportive. And I've always been afraid to say something because you don't know. I think it depends on the person in that in that role, like how they'll respond to you. But um, I've just I've erred on the side of being open and transparent and authentic. And I think that that allows them to see that. I'm up for more leadership opportunities and I want, I'm, I'm there to help the teachers grow, the students grow. Um, it doesn't mean I'm going anywhere anytime soon. And that's what I say to them. I'm, I'm honest with them, but it also allows them to see that I'm, I'm hungry for more. I think that's part of the fundamental discussion of your professional development as a tech coach. Um, you know, your leadership and admin best. Um, and if you can't have that open conversation, like Jen said, about whatever point in the future it is, um, you don't, I don't think you need to worry about that point about an administrative role. I think you need to worry about getting in a district where you're going to be supported and you're going to have the opportunities to grow. Um, you, we, all we all need professional development and we all need to know that there's a path beyond what we're currently doing. Um, and that having the people to support you on that path is key. That, that would be the, the, the biggest thing. Like, again, if you can't have that conversation about what your personal development is, your professional development is, and, and how you're going to go there, no matter what, you know, time frame that may look like. Um, the, to me, the days of being in a district for 25, 30, 40 years um, might actually be over now. Um, it's, it's, potentially the 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 time that it's you know as we're going to start shifting and making the bigger impact on education we're probably going to have to be a little bit more mobile than we would have wanted to be in the past and i think that's okay as long as we're all open and honest about you know how it's going to be i don't expect i've, I've done i've led a bunch of different departments i've had people that have stayed for a year people that have stayed for three people that are still in the schools that i left um and there and there's a happiness and a comfort and a a drive to get to the point where you want to be and you want to stay there and that's well and good but when when you're ready to to start spreading your wings it should be a okay let's how do we do this let's figure out how to help support you and fill and the bit better part is how to backfill you at the same time so who's the person i can identify that can that you've been training or has an eye on you know becoming who you are um, and taking that spot in your district because there's no better feeling than being able to kind of like train your replacement and know that they're going to be successful because of the things that you help them do while you're moving on to a very new and exciting opportunity yourself. I think that's well put. And if anybody out there listening has any additional questions, please reach out to us over and ask the Tech Coach Podcast. You can go to askthetechcoachpodcast.com. Join our Facebook group. We would love to have you as part of our instructional coaches network guys uh, let's wrap it up here this is clearly going to be the first episode of of hopefully many um many coaches that are listening are looking at the future and figuring out what's there for you uh what's there for them and it is really nice to know that we are not alone and other people have taken this first step uh jen judkins i will start with you where do we learn more about the great things that uh that you're doing as we move into the summertime 
Sure. So I'm on teachingforward.net and on Twitter at teachingforward. Nice. Jennifer Thomas. I am on Twitter at blended lib girl and will also be at ISTE in New Orleans. So come say hi if you're there. Nice. And Alex. I will be at uh, the Atlas, the Association for Technology Leaders in Independent Schools at the beginning of May. You can find me every Monday night on EdTech Chat on Twitter. And my handle is AJ Pachowski. So. And of course, you can check us out over at TeacherCast.net, over at Ask the Tech Coach. And this week, I am so excited because it is the return of the NCCE conference. I will be doing a few different sessions, all on instructional coaching, on Microsoft stuff, and some Google stuff, all happening Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. So if you have a chance, check it on out over at nccconference.org. Lots of good stuff. And of course, we're going to be having all of our stuff hanging out over on teachercast.net with all of our downloads and digital stuff. So check that out this week and beyond as we go through. And that wraps up episode number 187 of Ask the Tech Coach on behalf of Alex and Jen and Jen and everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.